Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. Please remain standing for the reading of the scripture lesson this morning. I'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, beginning with the ninth verse. Hear are these words. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. And you may be seated. I know that there are many guests with us today, especially those who have come to church for their mothers. So we are grateful for that. I'm going to um, take a moment and acknowledge that my own mother is in church today. And I am very grateful. It is not often that I am able to have her. She lives in California, but she is traveling here um, for Mother's Day, but also for my son's graduation. And so I'm going to do this to you, Bubba. Why don't you raise your hand so everybody can see where you're at? (laughs) Just so you know. She's not going to let me live that down. She's going to give me some grief after the service. But I am grateful for you being here. Thank you. And my sons and my husband as well. And for those of you who have gathered here in this place to honor your own mothers and grandmothers, thank you for being here. So I just read a passage of scripture that's about love. And again, as I said during our children's time, what a perfect day to talk about love. But does it surprise you as I read that passage of scripture to you, does it surprise you that Jesus has to command us to love? Isn't that surprising? I mean, you would think that to love should be natural. It should be something that we would do. It's innate. It's just part of who we are, one, as Christians, and two, who we are as human beings, that we would love our families, that we would love our spouses, our community, and our churches. And yet Jesus commands us to love. 
When we hear this word commandment, for me, it takes me back to the Old Testament. It takes me back to, to Moses on Mount Sinai and remember the words that he shared there. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It talks about honoring your mother and father. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. We know these. We know these things. And we understand these commandments and they make sense to us. We understand them. They are laws and they help keep us focused. They help keep boundaries. They help keep perspective and balance in our lives. And at the end of the day, they keep us out of trouble. We know that about the commandments. And yet we hear Jesus sharing this word commandment, and he uses it in a different way. He calls it a new commandment, one that sums up all the commandments, all of the commandments. And I can imagine that the weight of this knowledge must have been overwhelming to the disciples who were hearing this for the first time. I mean, who is it that can also add to the commandments of Moses? And that's what he's doing. He's adding to the commandments of Moses. And adding a commandment of all things is love. That certainly doesn't sound like a law, but it, it does tend to be a law. And love, love is a commandment. So what does love got to do with it? And no, we're not going to burst out in song because I know that there is that song. Right, we talked about that at the earlier service, yeah. Mm -hmm. No bursting out with what's love got to do with it. But what has love got to do with a commandment? And I think that's a real question. But love is what Jesus commands of us, and it is, after all, what friends of Jesus do. If we are friends of Jesus, this is what we do. In the Gospel of John, there are two words associated with love, and we're familiar with one of them particularly. It's called agape. We know this agape kind of love, and this agape kind of love is unconditional, no strings attached kind of love. And this is in many, many times Jesus is sharing about the agape kind of love. But there's also a second kind of love that's mentioned particularly in this lesson for today, and that is this word philios. And this word philios is friendship. So in some way, love is embodied in friendship. And love and friendship are intertwined in this lesson and really throughout the Gospels. It's undistinguishable. Unconditional love and friendship go hand in hand. Jesus calls his disciples and commands them to love. This is an interesting combination, and we might think that it's easier to see it lived out, but sometimes it's not so easy to see it lived out. Um, I remember seeing it lived out. It was on a trip that I went to. Um, I went um, to Israel a number of years ago. And on the trip were clergy and their spouses that could attend. And then also, there were also some laity from other churches. And I had a girlfriend, her name was Dee. And Dee asked if she could room with me. And I said, well, you know, my husband's coming, so I'm going to room with him. She said, I absolutely understand, certainly, but I guess I'll need to find a roommate. And so if you didn't have somebody to room with, they would assign you somebody. And so she was assigned a woman by the name of Anne. She didn't know Anne at all, but Anne was another clergy person, and so she was rooming. There. Could you imagine rooming with somebody for two weeks who you didn't even know? Well, they got to know each other pretty fast, Anne and Dee did. And as we went, the, the group was, we were excited that Anne was coming. Anne was someone who had, was battling cancer. She had just finished all her cancer treatment. Um, so she was excited that she could be there. Um, and Anne was somewhat heavy set and was still under, you know, finishing her treatment, but still wasn't in the best of health. We welcomed her. We were glad that she was, could be there. People were extending compassion and kindness to her. That is until about day five 
of our trip. If you've ever traveled in a group, then you know what it's like. You figure out early on who is going to be the last on the bus. You always know the one who needs to use the bathroom or the one who wants to take that last picture or who wants to stay a little bit longer at the site. And inevitably, there is always someone that you are waiting on who is trying to get on the bus. <clears throat> now, Anne... And started off on the trip, she did really well. Those first couple days, she did really, really well. She was able to keep up. She was able to participate. But as the days went on, you could tell that the physical exertion of this trip was starting to take its toll. She was moving slower and slower. And the tour, the group, we were having to wait on her more and more. Clearly, she was tired. And at first, the group, as I said, was compassionate, understanding, and they wanted to help. But with each passing day, that compassion turned to fatigue. Have you ever experienced compassion fatigue? When you just, oh, do I have to keep being nice to this person? Well, that's what was happening. And the group began to get irritated, and they began to grumble a little bit. You know, why does she have to walk? Why doesn't she have a wheelchair? Does anybody have a wheelchair? Why doesn't somebody bring a wheelchair? Can't she sit this one out? She clearly is not ready to travel right now. It seemed that this group was compassionate for a little while. They could love for a little while, but for the long haul, when things got a little hard, they got a little irritable. And loving and being compassionate did not come quite as easy. Well, one day we were making our way down uh, the steep path that was thought where Jesus was, took the road to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And Anne was there and she was walking down that steep path and you could tell that she was struggling and she was breathing heavily and she was sweating and she was sort of hobbling down. Um, and so we were watching her. People were like, oh my gosh, is she going to be able to make it? The tourists that were passing by were noticing Anne. And the group, though, was not singing hosannas. But instead, I'm sorry to say, they began to grumble again. Why doesn't she take a break? She really shouldn't have come on this trip if she can't handle this. She's making us late for our tours. Now, I don't need to share with you, <laughs> these were Christians. These were clergy people. <laughs> I know. That's another conversation. Oh, these were clergy people, and they were grumbling under their breath. But there was one person, there was one person that was looking out for Anne, lovingly caring for her, helping her, and it was my friend Dee, who had been, this had been her roommate, and she had been caring for her the entire time, a woman she didn't even know. Not once did Dee complain, not once did she grumble about helping Anne in any part of the trip. And so I went up to her, and maybe I wanted to hear her grumble a little bit, I don't know. And I said to her, you've been so kind to her. And Dee just brushed it off as if it was no big deal. And she said the words that only a heart overflowing with love and compassion, agape kind of love can say. She said, she's my Christian sister. She would have done the same for me. Well, that woke me up. I, like everyone else, was expressing and feeling concern for my friend Dee, but I was grumbling too. How could my friend Dee put up with Anne? She was rooming with her. She was helping her along on the trip. And then I remembered the words from the Apostle Paul. 
Love is patient, love is kind. Love is never envious, boastful, or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. You know, the, you know it. And there it was there in that moment that I got it. I got it. Now I see why love is a commandment. Because love is not always warm and fuzzy. It's not always easy. It's, it's easy to be nice to the people that are close to us sometimes or when things are going really well. But when things start going a little bit hard, people start getting a little irritable, a little bit disgruntled. That's when the commandment to love comes into play. Love is the pulse, it is the heartbeat of the church, it is the heartbeat of a Christian community. And without it, we cannot bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Imagine our church and its ministries without the heartbeat of love. Imagine what it would be like. If there's one thing that the Christian community is to embody, it is this commandment. No one has greater love than to lay one's life down for one's friends. This love begins in our homes, this love begins in our relationships. This love begins in the church. When I think of this, I can't help but also think about one of my favorite books, it's To Kill a Mockingbird. Maybe you know the story. It's Atticus, Atticus Finch is the attorney, and he's assigned to, uh, to defend Tom Robinson, who is a black man accused of having his way with a white girl. Atticus is a man of integrity, he is a man filled with compassion, and he has taken the law, this commandment to love literally and seriously. And you see this love as it unfolds in the story of, of Atticus. He's the kind of man that you want on your side in hard times because he will not be swayed by gossip or bought off or easily dismissed. And even as he defends Tom, he, he sees the injustice of Tom's accusers, and some of those are his own town folk. Those are some of the folks that he's in church with. They're people he knows and people he loves. And still, and still, he continues to do what he does. And he says in the book that the reason for defending Tom is that he couldn't go to church and worship God if he didn't help that man. And Miss Maudie, who's a neighbor, says, when talking about their community and Atticus, we're the safest folks in the world. We're so rarely called on to be Christians. But when we are, we've got a man like Atticus to go for us. Laying one's life down for one's friends, don't we all want to be a little bit like Atticus? Don't we all want to be a little bit like my friend D? When we love one another, and I know we hear this a lot. I know we hear love and it seems so easy, but it's the most difficult thing that we do. When we treat each other with respect, when we use words of kindness and compassion, not just when it's easy, but when it gets really, really hard, that's when we are living into the commandment that Jesus is commanding of his disciples. Because when it gets hard, then we are honoring that commandment. Today, of course, we know it's Mother's Day. I'm almost done. And it's a great joy uh, for, as I've shared with me, for my mother to be here with me today. And like many of you, COVID has prevented me from seeing some of my family and my loved ones, especially those who are out of state. And it's hard because there's nothing like a big hug. There's nothing like looking someone in the eye that you love. Um, it, face, FaceTime can only do so much. A phone call can only do so much. 
but there's nothing better than being together in person. Well, I, I would say this, and in all honesty, my mother is my best friend. My mother is my best friend, but it hasn't always been that way. I understand that not everybody has a good relationship with their mother, and that maybe their mother is not their best friend, but I will say this, that my mother and I have not always been really close. For most of my life, we've been close, but there were years when we could barely tolerate one another. They were during my teenage years. I'm sure you've been there. The teenage years, the glorious years. Teenagers tend to rebel. Teenager, and I was no different, I rebelled, but I won't ever bring that up in a sermon. <laughs> That's in a small group setting, how about that? But we push boundaries. We try to find out where we fit in. We try to differentiate ourselves from our family and try to find our peer group about where we fit in. And it seemed that whatever my mom wanted me to do, I had to do the opposite. I had to do something that I knew that she didn't want me to do. I was argumentative. I was sullen and dare I say, I was pretty judgmental. But as I look back over those years, and my mom and I can laugh about them now because I promise you there's life beyond the teenage years. <laughs> I see that thread of love. I see the thread of love. And there's one image that comes to mind and I close with this when I think about my mom. I must have been about 17 years old. I stayed out late, really late. This was before the time of cell phones and text messages and being able to know where your kid is driving and you know, finding their car or their phone or any type of tracking devices. It was late and I knew it was really late. And I was coming home and I was hoping to be unseen and I slipped into the back door and I was gonna try to get to my bedroom and I had to walk through the family room and there is a shadow sitting in a chair <laughs> when I get there. And it's my mom. She was waiting for me. Where have you been? She asked. At a friend's. Are you okay? Well, why wouldn't I be okay? With a little bit of attitude. Because it's late. I just lost track of time. Well, you're home safe. That's what matters. Go to bed. That was it. I was expecting my mother to come unglued. I was expecting my mom to get mad at me. I was expecting her to raise her voice and to shout at me, and that's all she said. It was years later that I asked her about it, and I said, why did you wait up for me? Why did you wait up for me that night? And her response was, I always waited up. You just didn't see me. You didn't know it. But I did it because you're my daughter. I did it because I love you. I did it because it's my responsibility for you to know that no matter what, I am there for you and I love you. And mom, thank you for being there for me. That's when I knew what love was looked like. That's what love looks like. It wasn't a surprise that we would be friends. It's what love does. It befriends us 
And that's what friends do. We love our friends as beloved. Today on Mother's Day, as we talk about love, it is my prayer that we will all be people committed in all circumstances of our lives, especially with our families, to honor this commandment to love one another. And may we love in a way that says that we are friends of Jesus. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.